Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 107th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Guys, I'm back. No, you haven't heard from me the last two editions of the pod. Anthony was getting you ready for Carolina's action in the ACC tournament. But look. I don't call him the second hardest man working on the show for no reason. But, buddy, I do uh, do want to thank you for taking up the mantle, carrying us through the last two editions of the podcast. I know you explained why the reasons you were hosting the podcast because of our our work schedules. It didn't allow me to be on the show, but we still wanted to bring you guys previews and recaps for all of Carolina's action up in Brooklyn. And uh, you did a really good job. The reviews have come in. They're not as bad as I thought they were going to be, which means that you get to stick around for the next couple weeks as we close out the rest of this basketball season. Uh, There are rumors that the reviews have said that the podcast was honestly better, close to Emmy Award winning, while you were gone. So we may have to just reevaluate the entire structure of the (laughs) podcast. Um, but no, I mean, look, it's, I'm, I'm assuming that people will probably want to hear 36 minutes or more of two people talking rather than just one guy going on and on. But, uh, no, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's not something that we want to do often, but with, you know, the schedule, how it's set up and and then quick turnarounds, everything like that, with the games being late at night, I think that was the biggest thing. Like if the, if Carolina had played in the seven o'clock window on either night, you would have had both of us on an edition of the podcast. But with how late it is and the, the turnaround that we have to do in the mornings uh, for our job, it's just just incredibly difficult. But we, we tried to make the best of the situation, and, and we hope you guys really enjoyed it um, You know, during that time and, and at least took something away from it of us, you know, get, being able to still get you prepared for everything in the ACC tournament. The good news is, is that hopefully the NCAA tournament is not going to be that same way. And if, if history serves us well, 
you would expect that Carolina won't be playing that late at night during the NCAA tournament. So we should be back together at least until the end of the season. Yep, that's that's the hope and the prayer. Um, as Carolina will learn their NCAA tournament fate tomorrow night during the CBS selection show um, because their ACC tournament came to a close last night. They fell to Virginia Tech 72-59 in the semifinals of the ACC tournament. As we're recording right now, the seven-seeded Hokies are up eight on Duke. They're four minutes and six seconds away from their first ever ACC tournament championship as, as they're playing in their first ever ACC tournament final. And I think last night you saw a team that I think you is what you, you expected to see from Virginia Tech. They are playing for the right to play in the NCAA tournament. So they were going to play with the level of desperation that usually you see from these types of teams in March. And these are the most dangerous types of teams in tournament settings, teams that are playing for their NCAA tournament lives. Um, and with all the craziness going around them, they knew that a win over Carolina could push them closer into the field, um, getting to that ACC tournament final. And they didn't look the team of a team playing three games in three days. Meanwhile, Carolina looked the part of a team that was playing its second game in as many days with the shortened bench. And, oh, by the way, it's not an excuse, but it's really hard to come off that Duke win last Saturday night in Cameron with everything that went into it. And then to come back and, and play against a Virginia team on Thursday that was still maybe playing for the right to make the NCAA tournament, and then to play a, a second team like that on a back uh, on back-to-back nights, Carolina was in a tough spot. Um, their offense really struggled for most of the night. But really what, what I thought changed the game was Leaky Black's foul issues. Um, before he picked up his second foul with 8.40 to go in the first half, Virginia Tech was 4 of 16 from the field. From the moment he got his second foul on, they finished that half 8 of 12 and took a six-point lead into halftime. And simply put, Carolina never recovered. Um, Virginia Tech would come out on and start the second half on a 9-0 run to make that lead from 32 to 26, from 41 to 26, and Carolina never got the lead closer than 11. And uh, I think the word that I put out more than anything, it wasn't disappointing. It was maybe more deflating because I think after Thursday night – I thought we felt really good about where this team was at and how they were playing after dominating Virginia in that 20-point blowout win. And then a mere 24 hours later, they looked like a team that had nothing. But as I just mentioned, they looked like a team that had run out of gas. And I thought entering the tournament, um, getting the first win was important to validate the Duke win. I know you talked about that yourself. Um, but then when you when you got the final four teams in the in the quarter and the semifinals, it was like, well, you got a really good chance to win the tournament. Let's go win the tournament. Looking back on it now, though, I don't think losing hurt them last night. I think it benefited them because they're at least going to get six days off in between their next game, maybe a week, depending on if they get the uh, the, the Friday Sunday draw in the first and second rounds of the NCAA tournament. And I think it's really important for a team that is playing only seven or eight guys and their starters are playing, you know, 35, 36 minutes every single night on the court. I, I think the extra rest will prove beneficial and it, it'll be something we can point back to if they make a deep run in the big dance starting next weekend. Yeah, this team definitely needs rest. And we've talked about it throughout the last 
month, month and a half of the season. This, this is the thing about the way Carolina's been playing here recently. We've heard, you know, from people around the ACC, some of the teams um, that, you know, are up near the top, they've sh- sort of started to shorten their rotations as the season has gone along, especially here uh, in that final week of the regular season and now into this ACC tournament. For Carolina, that hasn't been the case. They have been playing the same way for a month. And I told you this when I noticed that trend early on, um, you know, just last month, that, hey, this is going to become a problem at some point for Carolina. And you're seeing it here at times down the stretch. This team just looks tired because these dudes are playing unprecedented amounts of minutes. I I thought – You know, you go back to that loss to Pittsburgh. I know that that was still one of those games where uh, they did a lot of other things wrong, but I think fatigue was a a part of why Carolina struggled in that game, and I think it showed up in this game as well. Now, there there are a lot of things here that I think make this, you know, good news. First of all, this will be the last time you will be faced with this type of turnaround. You will not have to play on on. 24 hours, less than 24 hours rest. That will not happen moving forward. It will be uh, 48 hours in between games more than likely. So I think that's something that Carolina has to take a little bit of comfort in. Um, But at the same time, I think, you know, it's like you said, and like we're starting to see really more and more, I think especially in the last two years, is these, these conference tournaments now, are just getting crazy in terms of these teams that are putting together runs. And we're not talking about a four seed that's putting together a run to go to the final and win their conference tournament. We're talking about seven, eight, nine seeds that are consistently doing this now. And it's in multiple conferences. And I I, I said it when I was previewing the game against Virginia, and I said it when I previewed the game against Virginia Tech. This was a scenario where, for the first time in a month, Carolina was facing two different teams that were more desperate than they were to get wins. They handled it in the first game, and a large part of that is that I don't think Virginia was as good as people thought that they were down the stretch of the season. The other part of it is I think Carolina played really well defensively because they had – you know, five days off in between games. And this time around, you faced a Virginia Tech team that, I mean, here's the thing. I think Virginia Tech kind of had a a good game plan in both games that they played Carolina this year. Carolina was not great offensively in either one of those games. But the difference was in this game, Carolina didn't knock down the shots that they needed to in the first two matchups. They did. So, I'm I'm not I'm not panicking. I know there are people that are are back to the point of they're concerned about this team. There are some people, believe it or not, that are concerned about Hubert Davis after that. And I'm I'm really trying not to laugh because I don't really know what more you can want from this guy in his first year. But I think you're right. The extra rest for this team is going to be extremely helpful because when he was on Packer and Durham the other day, former Tar Heel um, forward and, and, and legend, one of the best to ever play in the ACC, Tyler Hansborough said it, look, 
the conference tournament doesn't mean anything. I'm going to be honest with you. Out of the three titles that you can win, the three big titles outside of, of course, a, a holiday tournament title, the national title is the most important. The regular season title is the second most important, and the conference title is the third most important. He said, look, a lot of the teams that we had, we valued that rest sometimes more than winning the conference title. And I think that's the case for Carolina in this se- in this season where they are basically 60. Um, we've had some guys that have played a little bit more down the stretch here and Justin McCoy and, and Kerwin Walton, but I still don't think that Carolina is really going to want to go seven or eight deep. I have a feeling when it gets to the NCAA tournament, this is going to be a team that will run six guys and live and die with the results. And, you know, the biggest thing, like you said, was the fact that Leaky Black got into foul trouble and that changed the entire game. Yep. And that's something that uh, Carolina will have to monitor moving into the big dance if they want to make any sort of significant run in March Madness. Uh, let's take a look at the box score for last night's loss. Carolina shot just 37% from the field. They were 22 of 60 overall. Meanwhile, Tech shot 44%, 25 of 57. But the kicker was they were 9 of 20 from behind the three-point line. That's 45%. They entered the game um, the best uh, three-point shooting team in the ACC, the fourth best in the country. Carolina did a really good job in the first two matchups, keeping them off the three-point line. Not so much in this one. Meanwhile, Carolina, because they were having to make up a deficit, had to chunk up more and more threes. Just three of 26 from behind the arc for 12%. Free throw shooting, both teams shot their their foul shots well. Carolina, 12 of 14, that's 86%. Virginia Tech, 13 of 14, that's 93%. Uh, Carolina did commit 11 turnovers. Um, And Tech turned those into 12 points. Meanwhile, just seven Tech turnovers and just four points for Carolina off of those. Carolina did out-rebound Virginia Tech 38-34, to including 13-7 to on the offensive glass, but they only got 11 second-chance points off those 13 offensive rebounds. That would have been an area that had they converted more often, maybe we're talking about a different outcome. Um, Virginia Tech's bench behind Darius Maddox outscored Carolina 30-6. to um, Carolina did outscore Tech in the paint 36-28. to Fast break points in favor of the of the Hokies five to four, blocks in favor of the Hokies three to two, steals in favor of the Hokies um, five to four. Both teams had fourteen assists. The game was tied five times. The game was tied for seven minutes and fifty four seconds. But ultimately, Virginia Tech led for thirty minutes and four seconds of the game, and Carolina just led for two minutes and two seconds of the game. Let's move on to our quote of the game. We go to, to Hubert Davis, and this is what he said about really the second half for Carolina as they weren't able to get back in it. He said, I felt like in the first half everything was difficult. Everything was hard. And we were all very encouraged about starting the second half and trying to change things around. It just didn't happen. We made some mistakes defensively on the offensive end. We turned the ball over and didn't get the shots we wanted, and they were able to capitalize. Just really have to congratulate Virginia Tech. They played extremely well tonight, and they were the better team tonight. And an update for you guys, they are two minutes and 11 seconds from being the best team in the in Brooklyn all weekend long 
as they've got a now 14-point lead over Duke. We'll go on to our stat of the game. This one's pretty easy, the three-point shooting for Carolina. They were just 12% from behind the three-point line. Meanwhile, Virginia Tech shot 45% from behind the arc. That was really the big reason for the margin of defeat. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll play you this week's ad from DraftKings, and then when we come back, we'll give more thoughts and takeaways to Carolina's ACC tournament semifinal loss to Virginia Tech. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your favorite team's victory into your own big win, and we mean the Tar Heels. Bet on the heels to get it done, guys. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win, the Tar Heels, and get $200 in free bets if they do so. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers. Then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you on the four corner side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the heel tough block side of things that we start to ramp up and get ready for the madness that is March. Some more thoughts and takeaways from Carolina's defeat. The first one was Leaky Black's second foul. Um, because the stats proved that when he was on the court, well, Virginia Tech wasn't scoring the ball very well. They had scored just 14 points with him on the on the court. He picks up that second foul. They finished a half eight of 12, and they were able to, to build a six-point lead. And, um, you know, this is a guy that I think we all knew all along. He was the unsung hero of this team. He was the best defensive player on this team, but – because of the stuff around him, it kind of gets just kind of lost in the shuffle how important he is to this team. And um, when when he went off the court, it was like all hell broke loose for Carolina defensively is the best way to put it. Guys weren't in the right positions. They weren't able to stay in front of the ball. And Virginia Tech was just able to really attack Carolina from there on out. And in that second half, they were just never able to get them out of that rhythm, I guess is the best way to put it because – the last eight minutes where they really found their footing in the ball game. And um, I think this is something that is going to be really important for Carolina moving forward. He's got to be on the court. I know we've, we've made the jokes about, well, you got to play four on five on offense with him on the court. But when you're playing five on five defense, it looks a lot better for the Tar Heels. And um, it's going to be something that he hasn't struggled with this throughout the majority of the year. But you would imagine with the senior that he is and the experience that he has, he's going to know how important it is to not commit a cheap foul, not commit a dumb foul, because um, Carolina is going to need him on the court for extensive minutes moving forward um, as we head into, in, into the NCAA tournament. 
and it hasn't been a problem for him before. So there's no reason to believe that it will be a problem for him moving forward. But, yeah, he sets your entire defense. He has the versatility to guard anywhere from the at least four to the one. And at this point, I wouldn't be shocked if he could guard the five to the one. Um, it, it's Look, I mean, yeah, th- those jokes were definitely there earlier in the season that you would go four on five with him on offense. But, you know, he's provided some good things for you offensively. He – has learned how to take care of the ball a lot better. And sometimes you just need that presence out there instead of some of the younger guys that, uh, you know, just are going to turn the ball over or are going to miss some of the open looks. That was the issue for uh, Carolina in this one as well, was Puff Johnson had some good looks and didn't knock them down. Who knows if Leaky Black does, but, you know, he's got that veteran experience. And, you know, I, I think clearly – you know, the defensive end is what we focus on, but but he does help you offensively as well. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, you could see how much different the stat lines looked in this game for Carolina, uh, you know, on, on the defensive side. This was a team coming in that was, you know, in the two matchups against Carolina earlier in the year, Virginia Tech shot just 27% from beyond the arc. They shoot 45% last night when Leakey was in foul trouble. So he clearly is what makes this perimeter defense go. And with him out of the game, it just looked like a team that was a little bit scrambled. And it it led to a successful night for Virginia Tech. And it's one that you just got to shake off. Um, I I don't think it should be a problem going forward. But, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, teams are going to try to attack this now. So, you, you've got to be smart about how you handle it. And for Leaky Black, he's got to be smart about how, you know, he's guarding guys, and it, especially when he does, you know, potentially get into some of that foul trouble. So we'll see going forward. But, yeah, in this game, that was a big reason why Carolina had the issues that they did. Um, but it's something that heading into the NCAA tournament, you feel confident that they'll get it ironed out. It isn't something that we've seen before, whereas – the guy that did foul out in this game, we've seen foul trouble before on a more consistent basis from Armando Baycott. That's probably the guy, if you're looking for somebody that you should be concerned about with foul trouble, that might be the guy to keep an eye on moving forward. Another thing that came out of Carolina's loss was the three-point shooting. They were just three of 26 last night, and, and for the tournament, they were just nine of 49. And then um, obviously you do the math. Well, that's, that's not very good. Um, and so I think the thing is, is that is this team back in a shooting slump, which they went in um, during the, the, the portion of February, or is this more of, of tired legs? I lean more to tired legs just because of how much minutes the starters have played really the last month and a half, almost two months now. Um, and, and I think that was it. And also last night, getting down 15 or 18 points early in that second half that forces you to have to shoot your way back into it. And, and they weren't able to do just that. I did think that last night they did settle more often for outside shots and they should have been earlier in the game. They should have been more attacking the paint, uh, whether via the dribble or through Armando Baycott. But how concerned do you think we should be about a nine from 49 shooting from Carolina behind the arc in two days in Brooklyn? I, I mean, it's 
It's definitely somewhat concerning because here's the thing. You said that it was tired legs, and, and I'm with you. I think that's a factor here, but you had five days off in between games, and that's going to be – I mean, you get one extra day off, maybe two. Yeah. How much of a difference is that really going to be? Any way you slice it, this is kind of I, – I mean, yeah, it's, I, I would say – if you're not shooting well because you have tired legs at this point of the season, you kind of are in a slump, though. So we'll, we'll see. I, I mean, there there has to be some concern, but I, I again, all that really matters in this case is look, you have three separate weekends that you could possibly go through coming up. All you, I mean, especially for, for what I think most people will agree the goal is at this point is, hey, we're trying to get to the second weekend. All you got to do is get hot for one weekend. Yeah. And, I mean, look, the guards have proven they can do that at points this season, especially Caleb Love. Um, I think, you know, Brady Manick is a guy that is going to be able to step up. But, yeah, I think especially last night you saw a team that was tired – was forced into that situation where they had to put up a lot of shots from the outside. And it, it was very evident that that was an issue. And I look, that was one of the keys to success in this game. It, it makes a ton of sense why they, let, they allowed uh, Virginia Tech to shoot 9 of 20 from beyond the arc. That was a big reason why they lost. And on the flip side, they shot three of 26 from beyond the arc. This was a team that in the first two games of the year, look, that's not that far off um, from the, the two matchups that they had earlier in the year with the Hokies. They took 22 shots in the first game. They made eight of them. They took 25 shots in the second game of the season and made 10 of them. They didn't make the shots that they needed to. And we knew that was going to be part of the recipe because this team – amongst all of the teams that Carolina has faced this season, probably did the best job of finding a way to take away what Armando Baycott did best on the other end of the floor because they could double with Justin Mutz and with Keve Aluma. And they did it a lot last night. Carolina had the looks from the outside, and they couldn't knock down the shots. So you're, you're hoping if you're Carolina, you don't run into a team that has – the two types of to post players that Virginia Tech did in in this game. But the other thing is, is look, I'm not super worried about it because as you just pointed out here as we're recording during the ACC championship game, this is a Virginia Tech team that really put it all together this weekend, and they're going to get the automatic bid for the ACC. So yep. it's not the end of the world that Carolina lost that game. It was just – Everything that needed to go right didn't go right in that game. And moving forward, again, the goal should be go, you know, lean on, lean on Armando Baycott inside, and your guards have to hit shots when they can. You just have to believe they're going to be able to do it for two games as part of a weekend stint. So we'll, we'll see. The last thing I wanted to touch on was the bench production or lack thereof. And we're going to focus on Puff. And Look, we've all sang the praises of Puff Johnson, and, right, and rightfully so, because he's brought an element to this team that this team, I think, desperately needed at the time, and he's proven he deserves minutes. 
The issue was last night with Leaky Black getting the, the two fouls in the first half, he saw extended playing time. And he's played 18 minutes and scored three points. And I, I am, am I wrong to say that if he's going to play 18 minutes, he's got to give you more than three points? Or is that asking too much for a guy who's still pretty much a freshman in college basketball? I, I mean, no, I'm, I'm with you. But I think the other thing is, is that he's just like he kind of is what he is right now. I think everybody, when they brought him in, expected him to immediately be his brother. And people don't remember that Carolina didn't get his brother until his junior season. And most people will forget that Cam really didn't settle in until late in his junior season, in part because, like his brother, he had an injury issue that he went through when he first arrived at Carolina. So, I mean, yeah, I I get what you're saying. If you're going to be on the floor for that long, and really, if you're going to get the shots, the open looks that you did, you've got to be able to knock some of those down. But at the same time, I mean, nobody, if you're a Tar Heel fan, you have to look back to earlier this season. And remember that this was a guy that when he came back from injury, he came back and was immediately a huge part of what Carolina did off the bench and nobody thought that was going to happen because this was a guy that was barely I mean he he would go out sometimes and warm up but from what we were hearing he was still relatively limited in practice so for him to be this big of a contributor for Carolina this season after how long he was off the court and the things he was struggling with I think you you've got to just remember that part but it's just look at this point for Carolina, it's it's an excuse. I know people will always say that, but look, it's it's a legitimate excuse for Carolina right now. You don't have two of your most important bench players from early in the season. This was not a deep team to begin with, and when you lost those two guys, you're in a, an extremely tough situation, and right now it just is what it is. I mean, you had that stretch of the season where it was literally five guys doing everything. There's a reason that they've been called the Iron Giants or whatever they're calling them. I don't even remember. But it it's th- this is something that you're dealing with right now and you hope that he can give you something off the bench, but look, nobody should have thought when he had that game against NC State where he scored 16, all of a sudden, wow, this is who he is moving forward. He isn't a guy that has been able to consistently score off the bench. But the one thing that you do know, and the reason why he still has to be out there, is that you know he is going to give you effort off the bench. So Carolina needs to keep him out there. You want him to be able to score the ball. But here's the thing. Carolina's won games without bench scoring so far this season. They've got to be able to get these guards back into rhythm because this was not the best weekend from the guards. And moving forward, you can't have both guys having iffy nights on the same night. You need at least one of them to be locked in. Yeah, I just think it's something that – I mean, hopefully Puff's not put in this same type of situation again where we got to play him 18 minutes and we need him to put the ball in the basket. But um, I did think he had two really good looks from behind the three-point line Mm -hmm. in the first half that if if they go in – I don't know if if Carolina necessarily wins the game or not because, I mean, there's a lot of balls left to be played. 
I do think though it would have impacted the, the the way the game finished out, maybe that first half or something like that, and maybe we're talking about a, a much different, the closer defeat, if anything, um, um, for Carolina. And you know, for the other guys that came off the bench, you played minutes. McCoy seven minutes. You know, you he's on the court to play defense. Kerwin Walton seven minutes scored three points, and um, I, I think when it comes to Kerwin, I think asking him to do anything productive offensively. It's just asking too much of a guy who hasn't played a lot of minutes and hasn't been in rhythm really since the season started. And um, it really stinks because I still think he's the best pure shooter this team has, but there's a reason why he hasn't been on the court. And I think for the most part, uh, Hubert Davis has been justified in him not playing or having the type of role I think we all envision him having entering this season. So it's something that Carolina, you know, they just got to live with and they got to work through. And hopefully next year you have Anthony Harris back from suspension. You have Dawson Garcia hopefully back from dealing from family issues um, and you've got some more depth and we're not, we're not doing a seven or eight man rotation for the majority of the season. So that's going to wrap up the portion of the Virginia tech coverage. Now we're going to move on to what really matters. And that is the NCAA tournament selection Sunday is tomorrow. The show starts at 6 PM over on CBS immediately following the conclusion of the Big Ten Championship. And um, a few weeks ago, um, even, even maybe even before last week and before Duke, we were talking about Carolina maybe missing the tournament or, or playing in Dayton and where they were all going to line up and fall in and everything like that. And now you fast forward to the eve of Selection Sunday, and um, this team is – solidly in the NCAA tournament field with Virginia Tech beating them last night and then they they beat Duke tonight they will only solidify them being inside the top 30 of the net which means Carolina now has three wins against quad one opponents now three and eight in quad one situations this year the two wins over the Hokies, and, of course, that win at Cameron Indoor Stadium last weekend, which is the best regular season win maybe in all of college basketball so far this season. All that's really to say is that Carolina will not be sweating out Selection Sunday tomorrow. They're in the field of 68. The pro- We just don't know where. Um, as of the latest stuff that Joe Lenardi put out over on ESPN – he has Carolina as an eight seed, the same seeding that they were last season uh, when they were an eight seed and lost to Wisconsin in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I thought entering the tournament, I thought they were, if they won, if they went one and done, they would have been an eight seed, um, which is exactly what they did. Now, I thought had they won last night's game, they would have moved up to the seven line. And then I might even be more crazy. I thought if they've won the ACC tournament, they could have, especially if they would have won it over Duke, they might have found themselves sitting as a six seed. Ultimately, where do you think Carolina gets slated tomorrow night uh, when, when the bracket gets unveiled? I, I think at this point, it's, it's probably a safe bet that they are going to be in the same game that they were in a year ago, which is the 8-9 mm-hmm. matchup. I'm not sure whether they're going to be an eight or a nine. I know Lenardi has them as an eight. I know Mike DeCorsi and Jerry Paul both have them as a nine. So I think 
it's relatively close. This is the closest they have been um, in terms of the three bracket experts on Carolina at really any point since they've started going into actually seeding entire brackets. So I don't know. I, I, I mean, if I had to say, I mean, last year we thought they were going to be an eight. Yep. They ended up being a nine. And I feel like this, this year's team is clearly better than last year's. I, I think they will be an eight seed, but I think either way, it really it doesn't it doesn't matter one way or the other. You're probably going to be playing in you know e- either way they'll put you in a region that they like and they'll put you in that eight nine matchup. So it's really just going to be about what color jerseys you're wearing, um, and and I think you know e- either way Carolina fans should be relatively satisfied with it because yeah as you said uh, a couple of weeks ago especially after that Pittsburgh game. We really thought that this would be Carolina fans, including ourselves, sitting here sweating this out, mm. wondering what exactly has to break right for Carolina to be in the tournament field. And now we're sitting here really as the only team at, besides Duke that is actually 100% comfortable that they will make the field. I saw – I forget who put this tweet out earlier today about um, the expected chances of the FBI of the FBI of Carolina making the NCAA tournament. They're at 100%. Duke is at 100%. That is it. Everybody else in the ACC, their chances of making the NCAA tournament are less that there's nobody else that's seen as a lock, 100% lock. So – I mean, Carolina couldn't be in a better situation. I mean, now, of course, Virginia Tech is locked in, so it's three teams. But Carolina couldn't really be in a better situation right now than they are from where they were just a couple of weeks ago. I mean, we thought – we literally said, I believe, on the podcast afterwards that Carolina right now is in huge trouble. They probably – man, you would imagine they might not make the NCAA tournament because – that coming off of that loss with the fact that you didn't have any other big games on the schedule outside of Duke and the expectation from a lot of people after that game was that there was no way you were beating Duke. Um, it, it, it really seemed pretty grim. And now you sit here and you feel pretty confident about where Carolina's at. I think another thing is that, um, of course, remember last year's tournament, was held in the bubble up in Indianapolis. So regions really didn't ultimately matter because everybody was playing in the same host city. But this year, you're back to the regions. And um, so you've got west, which is in San Francisco. South is down in San Antonio. The Midwest is out in Chicago. And the east is in Philadelphia. Um, right now, Lenardi has Carolina an eight seed in the east. Um, which means if they were to make the second weekend of the tournament, they'd be playing up in the Wells Fargo Center. Ultimately, I think Carolina winds up in the South or the Midwest. Um, but it, And I think it's important that this team doesn't go out West. Um, this team hasn't traveled 
um, very far throughout the, the season. They're scheduled outside of their one trip to Las Vegas. They haven't played in many different time zones, but um, that, that, that time zone difference when they went to Vegas, when they got their butt stomped by Kentucky, I think that did play a factor into it. And the last time Carolina went out west, it didn't end very well for them. They lost into they lost in the Sweet 16 to Wisconsin. I don't think they're going to end up in the East, um, just because that would be kind of be deemed um, kind of close to home for them. So I think I think it's going to be the Midwest or the South for Carolina. Does it matter to you where what region Carolina gets slated to play their conference tournament or they or they're instantly coming? I, out? I mean, not not really. I, I think I I think ultimately what what matters the most is who's there, who's in your bracket, what does it look like in terms of the road to the Sweet Sixteen, potentially to the Final Four. Maybe yeah, yeah, that might be getting ahead of ourselves, but. Um, I, I don't – I mean, location, look, I think one of the interesting things is you, you said, you know, what seed do you expect them to be? I, I kind of wonder, you know, I, I was of the belief that Greenville was a site for a uh, a one seed and an eight seed, uh, but it is not. It is, uh, it, it is the 215 and 7-10 matchup in the West – and the 215 and 710 matchup in the Midwest. So I don't know. Could Carolina be one of those teams in, in one of those ranges? I would really hope that Carolina is not uh, in, in the range to be a 10 seed, although I guess it really doesn't matter if you get put in that game. But I, I mean, I, I think ultimately I'm with you. I think the Midwest is probably the bracket that they're going to end up in. Now, the thing is, is who is going to be that number one seed in the Midwest? I don't I don't really know. Um, you know, coming into the day, I probably would have said Kansas. But Kansas gets beat in the Big 12 title game. All of a sudden now – that door's open again. So I have no idea. I, I, I think Carolina's definitely got an opportunity wherever they're at. Um, I think that these one seeds are, are solid. I think there are some good teams. But I think that there's this is the most parity that you're going to see in the NCAA tournament. So ultimately, I'm not a guy that's locked in on a region, but I get what you're saying. I think avoiding going out west – would be huge for this team because the less travel that this team actually has to do, the better for a team that is as fatigued as they are late in the year. Which now brings us to the discussion of the one seeds. Of course, you, if you're if you're slotted as an eight nine, you got to get by your 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 first round matchup, but you always got to project ahead and look at your bracket. And as of this very moment, Lenardi has the one seeds as Kansas, which they'll stay on the one line because they won the Big 12 title, Arizona, mm. um, Gonzaga, and Baylor. So of those four teams, um, Duke will not be a one seed with losing the, S- losing the ACC title. Um, Kentucky will not move up to the one line. Um, having lost in the semifinals of the SEC tournament. Neither will Auburn because they lost in the quarterfinals yesterday of the SEC tournament. Of those one seeds I just listed to you, 
which one would you be would you like to least be matched up with the most? Well, first of all, I'm a moron because for some reason, looking at Jerry Palm's bracket and not realizing that it wasn't updated from yesterday, uh, I was of the belief that Kansas had lost the Big 12 title game. They did not. They won it. So they will be a one seed. Um, That's probably the team, to be honest with you, that I would want to avoid the most because that was the team coming in to the season that I thought might be the best team in the entire country. Yep. Um, Yeah, I'm not crazy about that matchup. Baylor, I don't know. Baylor is very weird to me because – I feel like they're probably the worst out of those one seeds, but I don't really know how good Carolina is matchup-wise with them. We we were in their bracket a year ago, and I tried to convince myself that Carolina could potentially have a chance if they played them. Well, unfortunately, they never got to that point. But I think we learned as that tournament went along that would not have been the case. That's a team that I think – with their ability to guard on the perimeter, that could really bother Carolina. So, look, the top, they're the top two seeds as well overall, but I think that Arizona is probably one of the more vulnerable teams because they play in the Pac-12, which, I mean, look, is good, but I don't think it's as good as we thought it was going to be overall. I think it's a very top-heavy conference. And I think even teams like UCLA and and USC, I think they're good teams, but they're both teams that I think you could easily see not making it out of the first weekend of the tournament, and you wouldn't really be shocked. And with Gonzaga, you know, this just isn't the same type of team as they were a year ago. It felt like last year them and Baylor coming into the NCAA tournament were very clearly – the two best teams in the country. I think this year, look, Gonzaga, the the conference that they were in, the West Coast Conference, this is one of the best seasons that conference has ever had. They have four teams as of right now that look like they're going to be clearly in the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, I, I, I think that most people would probably look at that and think a tough matchup. But that's one of those teams where I would love to see that matchup inside between Armando Baycott and Chet Holmgren because I think that Chet Holmgren, who has a fantastic offensive game, would really struggle against him defensively. So believe it or not, those are probably the two one seeds that I would want to see the most. But I think – you know, this year more than any, it feels like those one seeds are relatively vulnerable. So the one I would be trying to avoid the most would be Kansas. And if I had to say the team that I'd want to see the most right now, I think it'd probably be Arizona because of the amount of newness around that team. But I also think Gonzaga could be a pretty solid matchup for Carolina this year, as opposed to if they had to have played them last year. Yeah, for me – Kansas and Baylor, I think, are the two teams matchup-wise. I don't. I wouldn't want to see um, Kansas. They're they're finally starting to get really healthy. Um, that's been the big mm-hmm. reason why they haven't really looked. I think as good as we all thought they were. I I was with you entering the year. I thought they were a clear cut. They were going to win the Big Twelve like they do every year. 
and I thought they were going to make the Final Four, if not win the national championship. Um, look, in, throughout the season, they had their moments where that looked possible. It didn't look possible. I think they're back to that form. And then Baylor, when Baylor's healthy, they they can they're just as good defensively, if not better than they were last year. They're not as good on the offensive end um, as they were a year ago, but. When they've got the, the guys on the court, Flagler, James Akinju, and then those guys, when those guys are on the court, they really get into you defensively, and, they, and they'll, they'll make life really hard for you on the offensive end. I, I, I think for Carolina, um, like Gonzaga and Arizona, look, they pose problems. Gonzaga's got as much talent as anybody in the country. Um, Drew Timmy is still a time machine down on the block, but they're not – they're not as good as they were a year ago. They're not as dominant as they were a year ago. The proof's in the pudding. Um, you look at their record, um, and granted, the West Coast Conference is a, is a better conference this year than it was last year when they ran through the league. But, um, I mean, they suffered a loss at St. Mary's in a game that wasn't particularly close. And then as for Arizona, uh, they've had a great regular season, but you got a first-time head coach, a lot of moving parts coming together. They had a starter suffer a, uh, an ankle injury during their conference tournament. He's also dealing with a shoulder issue as well. And um, that newness, you, you, you can get by with all that stuff from November into the early part of March. But it's not very times that you see a team that gets put together via a transfer portal and some other stuff like Arizona's was that you see make some deep run get to the Final Four, let alone win the national championship. So I think the teams I, I want to avoid as much as possible, Kansas, Baylor, but if uh, and, and the teams I wouldn't mind seeing a potential second-round matchup would be Arizona and Gonzaga. So that is, that is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. You can catch the selection show tomorrow night, as I said, over on CBS at 6 p.m., it immediately follows the Big Ten Championship, and then both ESPN and CBS Sports Network will have coverage for the remainder of the night, breaking down the 68-team tournament field, um, which will get started on Tuesday in the first four in Dayton. As I said, though, this is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. We do encourage you guys to go to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, for you want to go back and check out some more on the loss to Virginia Tech. And, of course, we'll have the reactions up on the site as well following the selection show on Sunday. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting network, we're, uh, just simply search the Four Corners podcast. It will pop up. Like the pod, review the pod, but most importantly, Hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any coverage throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, it is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. I do you want to thank Anthony for hosting with me? I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.